Hello, and welcome to another episode of Meta Sidekicks. My name is Liv. This is M. M, say hello. Hello. And we're your sidekicks to all things metaphysical, paranormal, and in between, because as psychic mediums, twin flames, business partners, and just your best friends of the entire universe, we're going to tell you about all the spoopy metaphysical stuff that other people talk about, but in a way that you've probably never heard other people talk about before. Today, we're talking about the Madison Seminary in Madison, Ohio, because in addition to being super uber awesome mediums, psychic mediums, we also do paranormal investigations, thanks to Em. So she's making my worst dreams come true. Uh, You told me you didn't want to go when I said, I will do it without you. You have chosen to come to these places, so it is on you. You can't do that to your twin flame. You can't blame me for going to these places because you do not have to go. (laughs) I'm either blaming you or the universe or both. Or you could just not go. No. And then you don't have to complain about it and blame me because guess what? It's not my fault. It's your fault for going. (laughs) It's your fault. You did it. You started it. Yeah. And you told me I don't want to do it. So I found someone to do it with me. And now every time we go somewhere and there's a little girl spirit named Emily, I know it's you trolling me. It's not me. It's the demon that people think children are supposed to be when they're a spirit. Didn't you tell me you were a demon? What are you talking about? In our Bigfoot podcast, you literally say that you crawled out of hell as a demon and then turned into a child. Is that not what you just said? I should have said that in a <laughs> twin flame. You really should so I crawled out of hell and then here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was like, you had a nice childhood. Liv You're like, fell no, out I of the didn't. Sky and I crawled out of hell. Like a baby bird. One of those ugly, every baby bird <laughs> is ugly. Yeah, that's why, because you don't have wings in your dreams. I have Wait, wings. Do you? Yeah, I just fly. Yeah. That's true. I have wings in my dreams, which is interesting since I crawled out of hell. <laughs> I did sell my soul to Beelzebub and I think he has wings, so. Jesus Christ. He usually looks like a bee or some shit. It's usually depicted as like some sort of bug. I think it's a bee. Not flies? Everyone says that the devil comes when it's flies. I don't know. On my car, he looks like a bee. I mean, when you say bees, I think about like the chubby bum bee pics that people put on the internet of just little fuzzy bumblebees with their their tush sticking out of a flower. (laughs) Okay. That's what it looks like on my tarot card. I sold my soul to him. I know what he looks like. He's not a, a bug. For a can of SpaghettiOs? He doesn't look like a bug. She did not sell her soul to Beezle I Bub. did. No, Go did. listen to this <laughs> soul contract video. That's what that video is all about, is selling your soul. Yeah, we you asked. sign the contract. That just like it blows my mind every time. Yeah, we asked people to ask us questions so that about we could soul answer contracts, them. And people literally thought that we meant selling your soul to demons with a contract. It is not that. But I did, in fact, sell my soul to, to be Beelzebub. In inspiration of that video. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> this is what we do for you. In addition to podcast. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about the Madison Seminary and our investigation of paranormal magnitude that happened there. But we're also going to tell you about the history, because if you want to watch the video of us getting spooked and scared and possibly a mental breakdown... That is in the show notes where you can watch the video on YouTube. This is the podcast where we're going to cover the things that we did cover in the video and also what we didn't cover in the video. Are you ready? Buckle up. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Liv went on the tour for this one, so I have no idea what any of the history is other than the little bits that Liv remembered. Yeah. Yeah. I think I found most of it. Anyways... I mean, we got more like detailed stuff than what the internet has, but I found this on a Ohio memory website, which is a part of the Ohio History Organization. So they say the Madison Seminary is Matt. Oh, okay. I also wanted to say that we're going to be talking about like the Civil War. So just to give people numbers, if you're a number person, I am not, but I like history. So the Civil War in America began on April 12th. 1861, and it didn't end until April 9th, 1865. So this is important for the Madison Seminary because the Madison Seminary was originally created or chartered in 1845 as an institute of higher education. It was located in Madison, Ohio, near the Lake Erie coast, and the original wood frame building was completed in 1847. However, supposed to teach priest or something that's what sam and colby was saying that a seminary teaches priest or something yeah it was supposed to teach priests but it also taught other types of children as well as far as i understand children other (laughs) (laughs) you're born a priest or you're not that's what i heard from that i was like the type (laughs) yeah i was not born for the priesthood i was born for the doctor demons (laughs) That's what this internet says. Jesus can save you. Isn't there a, a Holly? No. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a song by 6am and it's called something wood and it's not Hollywood. It's like demon wood or something. I don't remember. Beelzebub wood. <laughs> Is that a dick joke? <laughs> it wasn't. Anyways, seminary. The Madison Seminary was originally chartered in 1845 as an institute of higher education. Located in Madison, Ohio, near the Lake Erie coast, the original wood frame building was completed in 1847. However, a larger brick structure was added in 1859, providing boarding for up to 150 students in the school's heyday. However, by the late 1800s, the increasing availability of public education decreased the demand for private charter school. Which is interesting because seminary, I think, is for like priests and like church sheet folk. Mm-hmm. But we talked to a kid that was talking about architecture that he wanted to learn about buildings and construction or something. So yeah, charter schools are interesting because they don't necessarily go along with public education. However, they're not necessarily a private school either. So was it Catholic school? 
A Catholic school is a private school. It's not necessarily a charter school. There's a separation. So is the Madison Seminary a charter school? Yes. Oh. So like anybody can get in, but I don't think you necessarily have to pay as much as a private school. It's like the, the middle ground between a public school and a private school. But there's like none of them in existence anymore because people either pay a lot of money for private schools or your family's or not like at all. Yeah, or not at all. Yeah. And the government made it a lot harder for charter schools to be a thing. But they were very, very important up until the sixties and seventies, I think. Well but that might be the eighteen sixties and seventies. So anyways, it's it's in a book that Bradley was listening to. One of he likes political science books and stuff. Anyways At the same time, growing attention was being given to survivals of the Civil War. That's why I told you what the dates of the Civil War were. So 1861 to 1865 was the Civil War. And this place was constructed around 1847 to 1860. So at the same time, growing attention was being given to survivors of the Civil War. The Grand Army of the Republic, a fraternal organization of Civil War veterans, was gaining lobbying power, and President Benjamin Harrison, a Civil War veteran himself, promised pensions for veterans as part of his 1888 campaign platform. In 1891, the Madison Seminary buildings were purchased by the Ohio Women's Relief Corps as an auxiliary of the Grand Army of the Republic and renamed the Madison Home. The home was remodeled and a new wing was added in order to house Civil War Army nurses as well as the wives, mothers, and sisters of soldiers. Because back then, if you were a sister and you were underage and the only person that was taking care of you was your older brother and you weren't married yet and he had to go fight in the Civil War, you had nowhere to go. So you either ended up at the Madison Seminary or the Fairfield Poorhouse. You pig. So people like lived there? The Madison Seminary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a school, or it was a school, and then people lived there. Correct. Or both. It was a school, and then people lived there. Okay. Once it wasn't a charter school anymore for boys, mm-hmm. it was a, a school, or not a school, a living place for women and children and such of the Civil War. Okay. So it was like a big VFW. Great. <laughs> okay. The home was remodeled and a new wing was added in order to house the Civil War Army nurses as well as the wives, mothers, and sisters of soldiers. The GAR, G-A-R, also provided funds to establish the Ohio Soldiers and Sailors Orphans Home for the children of deceased Civil War soldiers. So it also housed the children of Civil War soldiers. One of the Madison Home's most notable residents, and this is the person that I was really excited about in the video and probably swore way too much, was Elizabeth Stiles. She was born and raised in East Ashtabula, which is very close to Madison. She worked as a teacher and seamstress in Chicago for nine years before meeting and marrying her husband, Jacob Stiles. The couple moved to Kansas in the late 1850s, where Elizabeth continued to work as a teacher and was not shy about sharing her pro-union views in the politically divided new state. One evening, a group of strangers, who weren't actually strangers, spoiler alert, I mean, they were strangers to them, but they were an asshole gang of douche canoes. Visited their house and killed Jacob, her husband, on the spot. The men turned out to be Quantrill's Raiders, which are pro-Confederate guerrilla fighters that included the young Jesse James and Frank James. So, you know who Jesse James is, right? No. Really? I don't know. 
He's the infamous American outlaw, bank and train robber, guerrilla warfare leader of the James Young gang. You said a lot of words. He was not a good guy. He was like, <laughs> when you watch the animes, like One Piece, where they're like, they got a bounty on their head of one million berries. They're the weird guys that dance in uh, Pokemon. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, who's the weird guys that dance in Pokemon? The bad guy. I can't tell you who they are. Team Rocket? Not Team Rocket in the games. I'm not even talking about. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking of for the last 20 minutes. He was a nefarious individual of epic, horrible magnitudes. And he started out in a Civil War pro-South Confederate killing mob. Yeah, history is not my thing. Hate history. Dude was a duty head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. the weird guys that dance in Pokemon games. Okay. I think it was Ruby Omega. So after her husband was killed by Confederate guerrillas, Elizabeth was recruited by Abraham Lincoln himself to spy for the North. She sometimes disguised herself as a Southern grandmother looking for the wounded father of her, quote, granddaughter. But actually, in real life, Elizabeth had a 13-year-old daughter named Clara who at times worked as a nurse in the Confederate hospitals. So Elizabeth Stiles was once arrested in Jefferson City, Missouri, under suspicion of being a union spy. But by the time the interrogation was over, she was so good at her job that she had convinced the enemy that she was a Confederate officer, not actually a spy. And no, she convinced the Confederate officer that she was actually a rebel spy before releasing her this Confederate officer gave her a horse and a better gun. So Elizabeth's work as a spy ended in 1864 when her identity became known. She was cared for by her son until 1895 when she moved to the Madison home, and she lived there until her death in 1898. She is literally like one of the coolest fucking badass feminists. Yeah, I saw this lady when we walked in into, down this corridor, and I was like, there's this old woman in here. And Liv was like, what is her job? And then she gave me the hint of... What do feminists do? And I'm like, the fuck do you mean? That is not the uh that is not the equation to figure out she's a spy, my love. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, she said that you she she told you that she wrote things. Yeah, you told me as a hint of her occupation that she's a feminist. Yeah. Feminist does not equal spy. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think it does. <laughs> no, it doesn't. A spy is a very niche job to have. You ever watched Spy Family? Because you should. It's an anime. It's about a dude that's a spy that has to have a family because he has to infiltrate a school. So he adopts a child with pink hair who has the ability to have telepathy and can read people's minds. But she's afraid of people knowing because that's why she was in the orphanage or that's why she thinks she was in the orphanage because she was weird. And then he found a wife and his wife is an assassin and they're all, they all try to keep it a secret from each other. They all try Welcome. to keep their powers or, like, identities secret from each other. <laughs> so none of them know what the others do. And they're like, you can't find out what I'm doing. It's really hilarious. Are they all on the same page, though? What do you mean? Like, does the daughter help the dad and does the wife help the well, dad? Well, the daughter knows that the dad is a spy and that the mom is an assassin. So she's the she only one is that a knows. telepath that can read their minds, but she can't tell them that she knows because then they'll take her back to the orphanage. Got it. 
Does any point in time in this movie show? It's a series. It's an anime series. Does the mom try to kill the dad because she's an assassin? No, they're married. They're fake married. There's a reason why both of them need <laughs> to be married. So Okay. <laughs> but it's different because they have to hide the fact that they're an assassin and a spy and a telepath. Oh, and also they got a dog and... The, uh, does he like? Does he fly? No, the dog can tell the future, and because the little girl has a telepath, she can read the dog's mind. <laughs> you're welcome, Fennel. Can you tell me the future? Yeah, you're a telepath. Does, am I? You read your dog's mind. She tells me it. It's not like I. She is. I don't think she tells you. It's just what she's thinking. Sometimes when Bradley has songs stuck in his head, I have the same song stuck in my head, and it's because I'm reading his mind. Yeah, Sandy told me that uh, <laughs> telepathy uh, works better or happens when you're being honest with people. The wall is the the hiding things from people. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. Bradley's not she, very good at hiding his songs that are stuck in his head. Yeah, because she was telling me that she has like she does telepathy with her husband. <laughs> That's fun. Her husband is absolutely a gem too. Yeah, and uh, I think it's Dolores. Can it? I don't know that big medium that everyone talks about. I think mm-hmm. it's Dolores something. She talks about if you're honest, telepathy can happen. So honesty is key. Or something. Or something. Or just being with someone for so long. Do you ever read Jared's thoughts? No. Man. <laughs> I'm going to start staring oh, at him. actually sometimes, but his thoughts are thoughts. Uh, Bradley has the clairaudient thing. So he has this one song, every time we touch, he I told get me the that feeling. He thinks in thoughts. Yeah, but when he has the clairaudience. Just entirely thoughts. It's the song in his head. Because like, you know, when you get a song, a thought. I hate it. Either way, it yeah, annoys me. He's <laughs> like, he told me that he specifically doesn't have an inner monologue and he can't picture things. He just has thoughts. But can so he like, hear songs you, in his head, though? He already knows what they sound like. Interesting. Because it's a thought. It annoys me. Either way. <laughs> you are singing it because they give you the thought and it's like you plant the seed and then you start singing it. Mm. You're welcome. Yeah, or he'll start singing it, and I'm like, I've had that song stuck in my head. And he's like, no, it's been stuck in my head since yesterday. And I was like, I hate you. (laughs) It's a fun time. Anyways, we were done talking about Elizabeth Stiles, the badass feminist of the North. And now we're moving on to, by 1904, the Women's Relief Corps could no longer afford to operate the building and donated it to the state of Ohio, which renamed it, just wait for it, the home of the Ohio soldiers, sailors, Marines, their wives, mothers, widows, and army nurses. <laughs> and ran it for several decades as a home for needy widows, mothers, and children of Ohio veterans. In 1962, management of the home transferred to the Ohio Department of Mental Hygiene and Corrections, and the widows were either returned to their families or moved to nursing homes. Over the next two decades... The site was home in turn to inmates from the Ohio Women's Reformatory, mentally disabled women, psychiatric patients from the Cleveland State Hospital and the Madison Township administrative offices. By the end of the 20th century, the home's fate was uncertain despite being listed on the National Register of Historic Places. During this time, rumors started to circulate that the building was haunted, and today, the Madison home or 
the home of the Ohio soldiers, sailors, Marines, their wives, mothers, windows, and army nurses, <laughs> is privately owned and used primarily for haunted tours. I just, <laughs> let's make this name the longest name humanly possible. Well, then I can make it into letters, whatever that thing's called, the mnemonic An acronym? Yeah, that's the word. The H-O-S-S-M-W-M-W-N. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys let us know what that is. So anyways, I went on the tour for this, and that was a good time. Um, What did we talk about? I don't know. Talked about that it was a seminary, so it was a school for boys, and then it wasn't a school for boys, and it was a place for Civil War veterans, wives, and children, and sisters, I guess, to live while people were fighting in the war. And then if their family members died, they could stay there until they figured out something else, for the most part. Unlike the Fairfield Infirmary, it was not a poorhouse. It wasn't a place where people had to work in order to survive. It was a place that people lived until they needed to go somewhere else or could afford to go somewhere else. So the Fairfield Infirmary, the people that lived there had to work. The people that lived here at the Madison Seminary had other people hired that did work for them. Okay. So that was one of the differences between the two because I think Russell or someone was asking about like, oh, did they have to like work and like do things? And they're like, no, they hired people to do things for the people that worked here. That lived there. Yeah, sorry. That lived there. So they weren't laborers. They were just residents. Okay, so then was it an asylum? And why is there like a jail part? So it wasn't an asylum or housing for psychiatric patients until the state took it over. Oh, okay. Because I was like, um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't go on the tour, so I don't know any of this stuff. But there's a place that we refer to as the high security place where they would keep the uh, patients that they were worried about hurting themselves and others. Yeah, but very... And then there's also, like, a jail thing where they lock people up in the basement. So I don't know about that either. Yeah, so the basement is where they had the washroom. So, like, the laundry people would wash everything. And there are in... We did a... Did we do the Madison Seminary reaction video with Sam and Colby? Yeah. We did half of it. Oh, yeah, because it was really long. So, anyways. We'll just, we didn't have enough time. Yeah. So. It was already four in the morning. Yeah. Anyways, in Sam and Colby's video that we reacted to, they have footage of one of the doors, like, slamming shut. There's these wall, these doors that are in the walls that are actually used for the laundry chute system. So, anybody on the first, second, third floor of the building can put their laundry in these chutes and then go all the way down to the basement to the laundry room. And it's funny because when we saw that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then when we got there in the video, I was like, that's an interesting thing. I don't think it's paranormal, but also I want to I mean, they were doing that themselves and filming it. I don't think they caught it on camera. No, they caught it on camera. No, I don't think so. Oh, I thought they did. That's what Russell told me. They would have like been freaked out about it. We didn't watch the whole video though. I, I mean, thought it was yeah. on camera. I mean, they filmed it, but they can also just oh. get out of the shot. They do that a lot. It was my impression that they were like, oh my God. And I was like, that's just a laundry chute. There's called a draft. <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting. I don't remember what I was talking about now. I don't know either. 
It was a good time. I mean, basically everything that I just read to you is what the... Is that all the history? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought there was more. Nope. That's it. <laughs> so then what about the asylum and the jail cells? There's so the, no history on that? Well, that was a part of the state. So it was a part of the reformatory, the women's reformatory. So back in the day, once the state bought it, it said... Isn't this the place where there was like a hospice floor? There was like a dementia floor? The hospice floor was for people that were passing or older elderly people that were staying there that were a part of when the building was related to the Civil War veterans. And same with the dementia patients? The psychiatric people didn't start coming in until the early to mid-1900s. So it said, by 1904, the Women's Relief Corps could no longer afford to operate the building, so they donated it to the state of Ohio. So they renamed it to a place where soldiers, sailors, and their wives, mothers, and nurses could go. So it was for, like, needy widows and people that were from the military, basically. Mm-hmm. So military families and members. That's when I got sold to the state. Yes, but I thought, how does it become a like a, a psychiatric asylum? place? It becomes an asylum in 1962, when it was transferred from the state. I mean, it was still in the state, but it was transferred specifically to the Department of Mental Hygiene and Corrections. Okay. So there weren't any widows anymore, apparently. But that's when the women's reformatory, mentally disabled women, psychiatric patients from the Cleveland State Hospital and the Madison Township Administrative Offices were there. So first it was a school. Then it was specifically in the late 1800s, early 1900s, created for women of the Civil War. And then in 1904, it got transferred to the state where it was for not just women of the Civil War, but military families, spouses, things like that. And then after that, in 1960s, that's when they had psychiatric patients and stuff. And the women's prison downstairs. Okay. Got it? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay. So it has a lot of history in it, and it's just a lot of things at once. So then do you have stories of the ghost stuff or no? Not as good as what we came up with. What do you mean we came up with? Well, at our investigation... Well, did the tour guide tell you about the ghost stuff? Yeah, I can tell you what the tour guide told us, too. Um, but according to hauntedhomes.com. <laughs> Jesus. Or hauntedhouses.com, they went to this, or place, went to paranormal investigate this place. And on different websites, you can find the same thing. So there's the spirit of a male nurse. And this is what they say about him. Because we didn't talk to a male nurse, I don't think. So he is a very tall spirit. He has been seen sticking his head into each of the spectral patient's rooms to check on them. He's possessive of the room where he stayed while alive. And he took a dislike to one of the tour guides because she reminded him of someone he had issues with while he was living. And he openly showed his feelings towards her. So He was a dude that if they needed more arms, like someone to restrain someone, Mm -hmm. they'd call him. That's what he says. Sounds about right. Because I'm like, I thought a nurse was a woman's job back then. 
And he's like, not when you're in a place like this. Yeah. <laughs> so then we have the spirit of Sarah, which is the room that had the weird baby Trump picture. And we didn't get a lot of stuff in there. Because I know you did the Estes method in the closet that's supposedly oh, a portal while the, I sat on the rocking horse. The child room. Yeah. There's always a child room. This entire place was just covered with dolls. Which is weird. <laughs> a little weird. So they say Sarah was either a young girl or a woman. Or with senile. A demon. <laughs> or a demon. Dun dun. Or a woman who was senile and was dropped off by her family who couldn't take care of her anymore. She's made herself known and will talk with any investigator like a young child would. The owner and other folks have made her room very inviting for her and she is very happy. People have left her dolls, things to play with, books for children, and a rocking chair as well. There are signs that she reads, plays, and rocks in her chair. Her room has a bed and bedspread that a young girl or a senile woman reliving her childhood would like. And there are pictures on the walls that would have pleased her as well. I don't think the weird baby Trump is pleasing, but whatever. <laughs> also, I don't think Sarah was an orphan. She was not a senile old woman as far as what she said to me. She explained when we were on the tour with the tour guide lady, who is fabulous, by the way. What was her name? Shelly. 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 Shout out to Shelly. She's fabulous. She's like, yeah, there's a girl named Sarah here, and she talks to people sometimes as an adult and sometimes as a child, so we're, like, confused as to, like, is she an adult that thinks she's a child, or is she a child that, like, lived here when she was an adult? And this little girl came up to me and was like, I lived here as a child because her mom lived there. And I feel like her mom passed away at some point in time. And when she finally got out of this place, that was more like an orphanage for her. She was 18 and she didn't have anywhere else to go. She's like, no one prepared me for the outside world. So when I got out, it was hard and shitty and my life wasn't very good as an adult. So I like to stay here because as a child, this is where everything was easy and fun. Didn't she talk to a dementia patient that was in there though? And that's why people see them as an old woman. Oh, she likes to play with the dementia patients because she's on the dementia ward, technically. Yeah. Like, her room is on the dementia ward. ward. Yeah. But she used to come down there and play with the... Or hang... Yeah, she would play with the dementia patients because she's like... It was like an imagination. Because that wasn't her room. I think there was an old woman in that room. Yeah. That was the dementia patient. And then there was a child that's Mm -hmm. not supposed to be in that room. She would just talk to the lady in there. Yeah, which is probably why they think it's... They're both. mixing them up as the same thing. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they're both talking at once. But Sarah was... But sometimes they think this little girl is a demon pretending to be a little girl. As per every place we've been in. Yeah. And if you ask it, it shall be done. Yeah. So there is a dark version of her. This is the place where the little girl is like very vocal, right? She talks, looks at me vicariously. Um, there's a closet. This is the one with the closet. Yeah, the closet with the supposed portal. Yeah, there's a closet. Because when I went in there, the dark thing started talking to me as the little girl. But the little girl, like, speaks like a person. Like, oh yeah, verbally talks. So that's how I knew the difference. But it was like, I have to listen to this girl talk. But at the same time, I'm getting thoughts about the opposite. So I'm confused. But there's a closet in there that people are like, there's a portal in this closet because again people think scary things happen in closets apparently but we just perceive that the dark thing puts itself in there Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it was we cute. put Russell in there <laughs> and I put in there. Yeah. You went in there during Russell was really hard. Cause he was literally talking to everybody. Cause everybody that is spiritually there on the dementia ward is like, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Everybody just had things to say that sometimes answered questions, but mostly we're just like, hi, hi, hi. My name's Lily. Hi. Do you guys, I like this place. And I'm just like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It I, was, I lined them up for you. Yeah. That's why we switched to you so that they could talk one by one instead of all at once through Russell. And it was really cute. There was this one woman that wanted us to hit the wind chime before we left. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. And then they all agreed to like, yeah, touch the butt, touch the wind chime. It'll be great. <laughs> but I really think it's cute that this little girl named Sarah used to play with the dementia patients because the way she explained it to me is every day the dementia patients were like living in a different place and time because that was just how their reality was. She's like, so it was like playing pretend. So every day I got to play with my friends and they were in different places and we played pretend. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really cute. <laughs> it like warms my soul. Anyways. There is a mentally ill male. That is what somebody says. It says a combative, mentally ill spirit takes no abuse from paranormal investigators. Those who try to provoke him are pushed out of the room and scratched. As a spirit, he is freer to show his feelings now that he takes no medication to calm and control him. He doesn't like the living to come into his room and will show his displeasure. Where? I think they're talking about, I don't remember if it's, I think it's, David? No, David is the one that let us talk to him. He's the um, the man that was telling us. Okay, I guess he wasn't telling us, but that's when we asked if we wanted to go into the doctor's room. But not the doctor's, the surgeon, because he'll like, be called the doctor. And a weird thing answered well, I know, in that room. I know there's John See? and there's David. And they're both in the corner rooms upstairs in the psychiatric ward. John, because we were talking to David. One of them has autism. And one of them has DID. He doesn't have DID. Which one? David. Okay. So then it must be John no. that they're talking about. The person you're talking about, he told me he doesn't have DID. Who's the man that has that made the funny joke at Russell about the owl? That's the person you think that has DID. He doesn't have DID. Oh, so you went up there a second time and talked to him? No. Remember when I said, can I ask you something forward? And you're like, ask him in your head. Oh, he doesn't have DID. Ah, interesting. Yeah. What did he tell you? He told me that he doesn't have DID. So then why was he up there? I don't know. Because he said he struggled with a lot of things, which is why he just put himself there. Was he just severely depressed? I don't know, but I can tell you he doesn't have DID. Mm. <laughs> interesting. Because I was like, I need to know if you have DID so I can put it in the video or not. And he told me he doesn't. So it's not going in the video. The whole thing? The part where we say he has DID is oh. not going in there. Yeah, no, that's doesn't. fine. <laughs> it was confusing, though, because what he was showing me was that he struggled a lot with, like, his emotions and the way he perceived the world. And he's like, I can't take care of myself, and I feel like I'm dangerous to the people around myself. So he put himself there. Well, it's, that could be a lot of different mental illnesses. Yeah, no, I get that now. But I was like, it's not DID. do you have a problem? What is your problem? So that's interesting. Yeah. But I think that's the guy that they're talking about, this mentally ill patient. Because when we were on the tour... The he, guy that closes the door is the one that has autism. John? That's I the other guy. I think that's John and the other guy is David. Is that who you're talking about? The one that closes the door? 
No, I think the mentally ill male that they're talking about. Or are you, oh. It says those who try to provoke him are pushed out of the room and scratched. He scratches people? Yeah. (laughs) That's why I was like, we need to be careful about going into this room. And I was more excited to go into John's room, the man with autism, than David's room. Because she was like, be careful if you go in this room. Because the man that is in here is very angry and does not like to talk to people. He was not like that at all. No, he's not. That's why I was like, we can go in there, but we just have to be, like, different. <laughs> so, he's not mean at all. At all. He's very nice. People are just mean well, to him. Well, what scratches people? I don't know if that's him. But I don't think he scratches people, but there was a dark thing that answered one of our questions. That is true. Is that what scratches people? I don't know. It's not him. Probably not. But he gets out angry, so. <sighs> Anyways interesting yeah but that's what she told us she's like be careful if you go in this room because the man that's in here named david or whatever i forget um is not nice and does not like people so but he was nice (laughs) yeah that room i remember going in there and i saw a little kid sitting on the floor playing with the toys that were there Uh uh-huh and he he described that people think that he's scary uh menacing male presence so that's why he was like i'll show you myself as a child because you'll be less scared of me because you're afraid of male presences yeah but he was very nice and he burned um russell because <laughs> not he, actually yeah not actually like as a joke like when you burn like, someone boom, with a got joke, him. yeah <laughs> russell was there was an owl that we could hear outside and russell was like did you ever watch the owls outside of Listen the window? The yeah, or something like that. And he was like, I'm not even going to answer that. You're an idiot. Of course I did. <laughs> Anyways, so I think that's the person that they're talking about here. Um, they say other third floor male patients. Twin boy spirits have stuck their heads around the corner of their rooms to watch investigators and tour guides. I think that's what people think at the end of the hallway on the psychiatric ward. So if you walk in straight and then to the left at the very end, when you see those two halls on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the scary thing. Oh, wait. Did you end up talking to the guy that was in there? Mm-hmm. Did you ever figure out what his story was? You never told me. I don't know what, like, his story is. We went in there and we had the REM pod and I put the REM pod up and he, like, He's a little eccentric, so he just kept making it go off and off and off and off and off and off. And because of that, there was a man that came forward that spoke on behalf of him, like a male nurse. Yeah, but our tour guide was explaining that people will see like two heads pop out on either side of the door or on both sides, like two heads, one on top of the other out of one side of the door at the end of that little hallway. And it freaks them out. And I was like, those are not children. <laughs> yeah, no. You told me that they were the hallucinations of the guy man at the end of the it. hall. Yeah. Yeah. Because that man has hallucinations. So whatever thing involves you having very vivid hallucinations to the point where you believe that they're actually there, even though they're very much not a human thing or a real thing that could possibly exist. Those are the things that are there. So when we were asking this man question that was advocating for the patient there, he, I was going to start asking about those little twin dark things. And that's when Anthony and Shelly were out in the hallway and they were like, everything literally got physically darker. Like 
it's darker down this hallway. And after that, because they started saying that, I asked this man, was this about the question that I had? And I was going to ask about the two little dark hallucinations that the man usually will have. Mm -hmm. So they are dark things. When you call them twins, because I don't see them as like human beings. No, I don't either. (laughs) But when you called them twins, I see their eyes are white and they glow. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, when you told me that they were things at the end of the hallway, A, I could see them before you told me about them because I could see them like the shadows underneath the doorway in the back. Yeah, which is Um, I was like, I don't want to be up here. uh, They look like little crawler things. They're like skittery things. Yeah. The soul of the patient was also very, he was very volatile. So he could be very happy and babbly at one second and then babbly and angry at the second second. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that. That's a lot. Yeah. That's why a man talked for him. Yeah. Because he was hard to talk to. Because mm-hmm. he just, ooh. He was very clear audience. And it was hard for me to like simmer down. So. So clear audience and clear sentient. So I'm glad that the. We the also went into the, to the surgeon room, too. Yeah. The surgeon room, um, apparently there's a male presence that prefers to be called a surgeon and not a doctor. And when we were in that room, we were talking to a man and a woman. The first time I walked in there, when we were doing like the walkthrough, I saw this dark thing standing there and it like turned its head and stared at me. But when we were doing our investigation in there, there was a man and woman talking about things. They, like, wouldn't allow the weird man to talk. So I asked them if they did, like, weird experimental cliche things to the psychiatric patients that are there. Like, shock therapy and, like, cutting into people's heads. And they told me that that was true. Because I asked Shelly, too, I was like, did they do things like that? And she was like, it's speculated, but there's no proof that things like that would happen. Because that's the immediate response that I got when I walked in there. So I asked the two souls that were there, and the flashlight went on. Mm. So, Yeah, I'm glad I didn't go in there. You're brave. <laughs> I did not want well, to. Well, I mean, there's a lot of souls up there keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, I had fun when we were in the common area where the orphans or like the children would stay. Or the well, just everybody common did. area. It was really cute though. They were having a good time. I like when we asked what their favorite song was and the one person said love, which is a song from that time period. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Um, okay, so they also say that there's the spirit of Elizabeth. So Elizabeth Styles. She makes personal appearances in front of staff, not shy at all. She's usually wearing middle to late 1800s attire, and she likes to float around the house and is very just content with things, and mediums say that they will talk to her just like she was a person of, like, when she was alive. There's also apparently the spirit of a boy that sources say, or a source, says that his name is Stephen, and he just likes to bebop around there, so... I don't know. That is what the hauntings that I could find on the internet of the place are. Interesting. Yeah, literally. That's it. So the other things that happened in the attic, John was the other male patient that was in that corner. We wanted to talk to him, so we walked into his room, and while we were walking out, the, the, like, door started shutting because Liv 
when we walked in there was like, oh, his mom's saying that he doesn't want to talk to talk to us right now. So as we're walking out, the door is shutting by itself, <laughs> which the tour guide says he will do quietly. He doesn't slam doors. He will just quietly shut the door if he does not want you in there. Why you to talk to him? He was he's really sweet though. When I was on the tour, I talked to him because they said they think that his name is John or whatever, and he immediately showed me all of these things, and I got like really emotional because he showed me that he was very much like Forrest Gump like that sort of functioning and his mom dropped him off there one day so that she thought they could take better care of him and like have other people like him that he could talk to and things like that and she was getting older so she couldn't necessarily take care of him by herself so she dropped him off there and the people that took him there said that they would keep him on the other floors with the rest of the patients like the normal patients but instead they put him upstairs and mm-hmm. when she would come to visit him on Sundays or whatever, they'd bring him downstairs and lie to her and say that he was with the rest of the people. But they would lock him upstairs with the psychiatric patients. Yeah, because he was nonverbal. Yeah. That's what he's telling me. So it's, uh, he was really cute. And I think in, in the video before he closed his door, he was like, I want a sandwich, <laughs> which is cute. So he was probably one of my favorites because he was very sweet and just nice. Um, who else did we talk to? Well, there was a girl in the one across the highway. Um, oh, Alyssa. I don't think that's her name. <laughs> well, the tour guide said that they told don't. the tour guide, A, she said that she tells people a different name every time. Yeah. And B, when you said Alyssa, it resonated with the Shelley. tour guide. Yeah. So her name's not Alyssa. Yeah, but I think it's cool. Oh, got you. Because they know like, things. definitely not Alyssa. <laughs> well, the tour guide gets along with this soul a lot, but she said yeah. that this soul is very clairsentient. So when she goes into that room, um, our tour guide has gotten overwhelmed with clairsentient feelings before, and she's had to been like taken out of the room physically because she was too engulfed in the feelings or sensations that the soul was giving her. But... I was like, I want to figure out what her name is for the tour guide. So when she gave me Alyssa and confirmed it, and then I told the tour guide, she's like, yeah, she's given us other names like M said. She goes, but one of her family members has a middle name of Alyssa, but they're actually named after another family member. But she goes, this person of Shelly's family goes by their middle name, which is Alyssa. And she's like, so that freaks me out. (laughs) So that was kind of cool. But yeah. So when I was doing the walkthrough, all of the people that were in these, like the souls that were in these rooms, they were all in the back corner. So I walk into her room and I see her like hiding behind this wall. And she says that the, that everyone is hiding behind the wall because when the nurses or staff would enter their rooms, it was required for them to be away from the, the door because they were afraid of like being attacked or someone trying to leave, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked to her for a while and she was talking about all of the things that are happening now because it's more traumatic to talk about the things that had happened to her yeah so if you start talking about the things or asking more about her it upsets her which is not good because you don't want to upset them so she was happy to talk more about like current events and like little things about her she knew about the baby because she was talking about bunnies remember got you that was really cute I think she said she had a sister or something, too. Yeah. So, yeah. 
What else happened? Um, that was all the stuff that happened on the top floor. Um, we also did this stuff in the basement, but that's the rest of the stuff that I can remember. Yeah. So when we were in the basement, we could also talk about the hole. You yeah. Don't have any history on the hole either? <laughs> no, just the rumors. Okay, you let's know do those. the hole first. So there is this room where they have started like removing the floor and started digging into the ground underneath the floor because it is believed that someone there was like a situation where there was a girl that was in a relationship with someone that was married. I think it was one of the teachers when it was a seminary. Okay. Yeah, and he was married. Then why is there a girl there? Well, I guess she was dating one of the teachers or a teacher oh, when it so was a she seminary. Wasn't a student there? No. Okay. She would probably just go there to canoodle with him. Well, apparently he had a wife. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the story exactly because you were telling me it and I was listening to what they were saying about it. Oh, okay. So there was a teacher, presumably, if I heard it correctly, when it was a seminary and he was having an affair with a girl and she got pregnant. So she went to the teacher to say, hey, I'm going to tell you and your wife that I'm pregnant. And he was like, that's a no-go, Chancho, and I guess killed her and then buried her in the basement. However, (laughs) this girl was showing me that it was not like that. And she shows me, A, that in this room where they have excavated the flooring because they're, like, looking for a body. They've got cadaver dogs and everything brought in there. They brought cadaver dogs and the dogs, like, marked a certain point in the floor but their equipment said it was further over so they haven't found anything yet however the soul was telling me that they had an argument in there and she was like pushed up against a wall while this man was screaming very loudly so there was a rumor created that something had happened to her there and that's why people believe that her like body was like hidden underneath the floor Because it's, like, next to the wash area. Where the ladies were doing laundry. Yeah. So that's what we were, we were did an investigation in there. And they were kind of validating that type of information. But I think that because she, like, disappeared, I feel like she went into the forest and, like, was uh, having a hard time. You get my drift. So. Yeah. I don't think she was killed. There. Yeah. So that is the whole room. (laughs) (laughs) Sam and Colby go in there and they have like one of the dudes just like go into the hole with a (laughs) K2 meter. (laughs) And like a dark thing is like having their time with them. Yeah. It's It's interesting. Now, the scariest part of the whole place was the rooms that they kept the mat, like the reformatory girls in. So at one point in time, this place had a partnership with one of the reformatories, the Ohio Women's Reformatory. So one of the guys that worked for the Madison Seminary had this deal bargain type thing with the Ohio Women's Reformatory where the Madison Seminary would house specific people from the Women's Reformatory until they 
got let out on bail or their trials were appealed, whatever. So these women were usually in jail for petty crimes, such as writing bad checks. One of the most notorious women, I forget what her name was, but she was in there because she was stealing her neighbor's checkbook and writing checks and using their money. And I guess they found out about it and they were like an elderly couple. So she was confronted by the neighbors that she was stealing their checks from and writing things for. And they were like, hey, just pay us back our money that you wrote all these checks for or we're going to like sue you. And she's like, that is also not a, that's a no-go troncho. So she went to their house and killed them both like in cold blood Mm. and then decided to clean everything up with like Clorox. And then a couple weeks later, I guess she was really guilty about it. So she like told her husband and her husband's like, I think you just need a break. Why don't you, why don't you just not make dinner and we'll just eat leftovers tonight or something? And she was like, no. So she like showed him where she buried their bodies. And he was like, that's a problem. <laughs> so that was the most like high crime person that they had here. Everyone else literally just wrote bad checks. And that's not their fault because women couldn't have their own money until the 1970s. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, so whose fault really is it that you're writing a bad check? But yeah, this place, I didn't go on the tour, so I didn't know any of this information. And down there, it literally just looks like office building, like offices with closed doors. So when you go down there, the first thing that I told them on my medium walkthrough is, did they lock people up in these rooms? Because I could hear screaming and like pounding on the doors. And then I perceived this scary a man that I perceived to be in charge of the places because he was one of the souls that were not locked up. And they were describing him as this person that is very flirtatious. No, they were not describing them to me. Wait, what do you mean? Us describing them or the souls? When I went through my medium walkthrough, this is what the souls told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was not on the tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought you meant... As in, we were telling you about him. No, what I we was were telling told about you him about him was different. Because I told you that he was, um, like, prim, prim, proper, like, very kind of, like, privileged appearing out in public. However, when he was in this place, he was a horrific dude. And I remember telling you those things. And you were like, oh, you're probably talking about the perv. That's what they call them. Mm-hmm. So I thought... That you knew what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So during the tour, when we went down into the women's jail cell area where women for petty crimes, literally nothing, were held for, our tour guide Shelly was telling us that there's one male soul down there that like will pinch women's butts and like grab your hair and will like whistle in your ear. And one time they heard a growl. And when I was down there, I got the impersonation as a medium that when he growled it was more like a oh like you know being flirtatious and whatever and I was like oh okay mind you it was daytime this is our third investigation of the entire investigations like the triad that we did trio whatever and I was like that's fine it's just a normal weird dude soul that should probably shouldn't be down here but he's probably from one of the other floors just like hanging out because girls are down here well M got the real story and I was just getting absolutely fucking used literally so we go down there to do the investigation. At this point, I think I think that what I told them that we're all was, on the same page. Yeah, 
So what we have set up, we have two flashlights and then we have a music box out in the hallway and a REM pod. So we start asking questions and this really weird thing started happening. We were talking to two women, but it was almost like there was a wall between them and us. So they had a hard time talking to us. This is your trigger warning for SA. (laughs) Just so you know. So these women are trying to talk to us and answer our questions. And we're like, why is it so hard for you to like communicate with us? So they start showing us different timelines in which they had existed. And this man steps forward and it's not the same man that I perceived prior. This man is like very lighthearted, very like heartwarming. And he kept flipping through the timelines and the way in which it physically happened in the room was the music box would go off. It would go off like, or half a second and then it was almost like wind blew through the room and it was a different timeline and it happened twice physically it physically felt yes. like there was a fan on m and i i just it want wasn't to even understand. just us it was like janelle russell and anthony also validate that as well it felt like wind went through the room okay good yeah it was yeah. like some harry potter bullshit I've yeah that was crazy physically experienced things like that before so it was um weird because when that was happening these women were one woman stepped forward to kind of talk on behalf of them all but they were showing em and i i don't know how you received it but they were showing me very clairvoyantly clairaudiently and clairsentiently the timelines that they lived in and at one point it sounded like they were having parties but they were telling me that they called the police on people when we were down there and i didn't say anything in the video because i was like that's crazy like Women inmates aren't going to call the police. Like, they're not going to have access to a phone to call police. That's not, I can't be thinking that. That's weird. Mm-hmm. And I kept feeling the presence of the, what Shelly calls as the pervert, and I'm going to call the duty head. And then the presence that M was talking about of this different man that had more of like a fatherly, authoritative figure, not this asshole who's mm-hmm. a fucking prick. Yeah. So what's scarier about it is that human souls, unlike dark things, know, see, hear, and feel everything about you. So what was happening is the man in the hallway who had more of the fatherly feeling to him, he was showing us the timelines and helping the female souls that were trapped, for lack of a better words. They're not really like they're there. I just don't think people know their story very well that are down there to get their story out. So he was telling us by changing the timeframes with M and I. So it was weird to try and understand his information while this asshole of a soul was trying to tell me what he wanted to say about things. That's why the women can't talk. Yeah. He mediates the information that's down there. A hundred percent, which is why because nobody knows their story. A, what is it? A reputation mm-hmm. that is staunch rich privileged but again when he was in there he was not a cool dude yeah so he was trying to still fight like cover up what this other man was telling us so there's multiple superintendents or people that owned the madison seminary or ran it over the years he was one of the people this duty head asshole prick guy was one of the people that ran the women's reformatory division for a really long time And the man who was the more fatherly figure that was trying to show us and help the women tell their story is the person that took over his position after him. So he is the one that got this asshole out of power. 
So what the original asshole was doing was he was specifically picking women from the women's reformatory for the little petty crimes, like writing bad checks. And he was holding sex parties for people to come in and rape these women in the town. And it was written in the newspapers because I told Shelly about it. This man so viscerally influenced me, this bad asshole guy, soul dude, that I was like, Shelly, I need to tell you that this guy that has been like spiritually, sexually harassing you for years that you just call the perv is actually extremely dangerous and extremely horrible and should not be talked to or given any power, privilege or hearsay in any way, shape or form, because this is what he was doing. Like the women called the police on him and she goes, no shit. (laughs) She said there were multiple newspaper stories that were written, specifically one that was the most prominent where it was written about that this guy who ran the place and this program was having sex parties and that the reason the story got out is because the women inmates called the police and when they got there they couldn't quote unquote prove anything yep <laughs> I'm just when like, she said that i was like didn't i tell you guys you guys made it seem like you knew <laughs> what i was talking about and you guys you were like you never said that i was like what do you mean <laughs> Yeah, I was very confused when you said that. I was like, I thought we went. I thought they told you that. I thought you validated that. I thought this was over. <laughs> no, and that's when he started walking down the hallway, and that's when the music box, like, someone was walking towards the music box. Yeah, so he even tricked me. And uh, if you go there, don't talk to him because he doesn't deserve any validation or anything ever. Because he's literally human scum, mm-hmm. and I wish him. I wish there was a hell that existed for him, honestly. He's living in it. You think? I hope saying he this. He didn't want <laughs> you to say that, right? That's why true. why he was mean to you. That's true. That's why he prevented those girls from talking to us. That's true. Yeah, I hope this brings a hell on him. Everybody that listens to this. Because <laughs> he is absolute human scum. And I wish nothing for him. Because he said some horrible, horrible things to me. I've never been so physically influenced by a human soul in my entire life so would not do again rest of the madison seminary great it wasn't except for the bathroom those bathrooms were horrible oh yeah the bathrooms are yeah (laughs) i would rather take the dark things at the fairfield infirmary over that fucker any day (laughs) (laughs) that was not a good experience but human stuff human dark stuff is weird i appreciate you guys listening to me because that was hard for me to say because it was a lot (laughs) But also, people need to know that he's a fucker. Mm-hmm. So, whoever he was. But the fact that Shelly validated it was crazy. But do you want to talk about the bathrooms? The bathrooms are also just fucked up. I'll tell you what I experienced in the bathrooms. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because you I were... it was a girl's bathroom. The boy's bathroom, I don't think I got the same stuff that you wanted me to. But the girl's bathroom, I walked into this bathroom and I was like, oh, there's a lady in here. And you're like, uh-huh. And then I see this lady, her head gets smashed into one of the sinks. And then I walk around the corner because you have the two sinks. And then around the corner, there's like a wall and then there's a bathtub. And I walk around the corner and there's blood all over the floor. And I was like, okay. And I walk back over to live and I was like, there's blood over there. And you're like, yep. So what happened? And I was like, well, this lady is telling me that she can't give me the information because my brain won't accept the information which is interesting to me because, A, the reason why I couldn't accept the information is because it's triggering. And a lot of people are like, ask us questions of how do you protect yourself, blah, 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 blah. Um, when I get triggering information, it's like 
It's like the videos in my head are unenabled, so souls cannot use them. <laughs> unenabled. <laughs> yeah. So she literally was like, I cannot tell you what happened because you will not accept the information. And then Liv told me the story. Yeah. There was a woman that was killed by a male inmate that, or not inmate, but a male person that was staying there that obviously wasn't sound of mind. I don't know. I think he's just a duty head. He's probably a patient. All right, we'll go with patient. And he kind of got out where he wasn't supposed to be, so she went to the bathroom, and he ended up killing her and then doing bad things afterwards. But yep. it was interesting because Shelly told it the other way. They said that bad things happened to her first, and then she was killed, and she's like, actually, it was the other way around. So, and that means things to me. So she corrected that, which was interesting, and Shelly's like, that's good to know. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then there was another man in the men's restroom, I think upstairs. Yeah. Dude, I don't know where the men's restroom was. I think it was upstairs. Bathrooms were horrible. We didn't do investigations in there because I was like, I don't need any of that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So um, there was a man that worked there, I guess, as a janitor. And he talked to me because he's like, I don't want people to get my fucking story wrong. That's what he told me. And I told Shelly. And she's like, well, that's heard. (laughs) Shelly was fabulous. She's like one of the people... For the tours that we've done that I think are the most in tune and like spiritually understanding of the things that she's doing in the tours that she's giving. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like a lot of other tour guides are just not as in tune, which is fine. But he, I guess, worked there as a janitor and a woman and her two daughters were living at the seminary or at the house, whatever, the big Madison seminary. And this guy was having an affair with them. And one day he decided to tell his mistress that he was going to leave his wife and get this, seven children to be with her. Jeez. And what he explained to me and what he showed me was that he was having this affair with this woman who had two daughters that lived at this place, but he never told her that he had a wife, nor that he had seven children. She thought he was just in a relationship with a single guy. So when he told her, I'm going to have a relationship with you and leave my wife and seven kids, she was like, you're not, she's like, you're not cool anymore, (laughs) which crushed him, which crushed him. And then this woman went to his wife and said, Hey, your husband was doing this with me and I don't appreciate it. And I just thought you should know, but we're not doing that anymore. So then he had a talk with his wife and his wife's like, I have, we have seven children. What are you fucking doing? And he was like, well, not this anymore. And then he unalived himself in the bathroom. Yeah. So bathrooms are awful. Um, I also, when we were in the, I think it's the, the hospice floor, but that was in the 1970s. What? He also told me the year, he was like the 1970s. Um, so similar, we talk about like the weird poltergeisty house elf thing manifestation. Oh yeah, the bears. That was in the Franklin Castle, but in the Madison Seminary, they looked like big black bears and the they gave me the clear cognizant idea that they were like the badger moles from Avatar, The Last Airbender, and they were the manifestations of the seminary itself. 
So the house, like we went to Skinwalker Bridge with Patrick and the bridge was talking to us because it had enough energy in order to communicate to us. So the same thing happens with the haunted location. So I would see these like huge shadow things that like walked on all fours because they were too tall to stand up. So there was one that walked through the like big corridor house and there was also one that was like downstairs in the the jail cell area the one in the jail cell area was scary but it was smaller than the big like bear looking things that went through the rest of the corridors mm-hmm. but they are similar to the things that were in the franklin castle which is super weird but they just like kept walking and like looking at us and then walking away yeah if you ignore them they ignore you but they were huge <laughs> they look like if the demigorgon from stranger things was walking on all fours yeah yeah. But that's the Madison Seminary. Did you guys like it? There was also that one room with, isn't this the place where the, I don't know what you call them, the people that are in charge? The superintendents? Isn't there a place where the superintendents like slept and there was like story about a woman that stayed there or something? Oh, it was one of the superintendent's wives. She unalived herself in the middle of the night on the hospice floor next to the nurse's station next to her husband and child sleeping bedrooms and no one heard it with a revolver yeah yeah so there's speculation as to did she really use a gun to kill herself or was there foul play involved or did it never actually happen and everything's just an enigma i didn't talk to her but shelly because i was seeing this lady with curly brown hair that had a baby and i think shelly was telling me about a possible person that wasn't the lady that like did that mm-hmm. um that had a baby that didn't make it because i didn't tell her the end part of it they didn't make it mm. so i was like that's weird why do you know so many things about this place <laughs> yeah when why i was do i know so many things about this place <laughs> when i was there i was seeing one of the superintendent's wives that had like blonde hair and they had children and she was very happy she was related to one of the superintendents with like the last name of H or M. I don't know. I'm dyslexic. It's in the video. Yeah, if you guys seeing someone that was blonde or something. Yeah. And she was very like sing songy and very happy. And she told me which superintendent she was the wife of. But if you guys want to watch the full video, the link will be in the show notes and you can watch that. If you want to also rate this on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple podcast, that really helps us, especially with ranking and search and if you leave a dad joke we'll feature you so far no one has given us any good dad jokes on apple Podcasts lately but you have the power to change that or join patreon because our patreon which is also in the show notes if you're interested in learning out more learning more it has a discord server and in our discord server we just have a server for dad jokes and this is where em has been getting our dad jokes it's a good time okay no that one's dumb <laughs> Okay, Sundays are always a little sad, but the day before is always a sadder day. You're welcome. <laughs> wow, I actually like Sundays. That was from Brandy. <laughs> I like how all they do is just, they like epic rap battle with dad jokes in our Discord server. Well, Riker does not play the game. <laughs> Brandy does play the game because it's like, Brandy is you and Riker is me. Ah, uh, got it. You say dad jokes and I'm like, 
excuse me, I need to go throw up in the corner over there because the dad joke was so bad. <laughs> Maybe they are twin flames. That would be cute. They're not because they asked me and their fucking spirit guides showed me a cell splitting into two and that Brandy was the older one. That shit like fucked me up for a few days. You're welcome. Every time I talk to them, they're like space cowboys breaking <laughs> into the Akashic Records. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. So if you guys want to get into the fun of the Discord server, which is literally just like a spiritual metaphysical Akashic Records fun family friend group chat, (laughs) you can do so using the link in the show notes. But until next time, let us know on any social media what you want to hear next or have us talk about or investigate. Potate. Haters gonna tate. Haters gonna hate. Potatoes gonna potate something or something em and i have readings out now we're doing i will i'm still doing her her three card recorded readings i Mm -hmm. am now offering email readings in an effort to accommodate the people that are waiting so patiently for a reading but until i can do that you could have the opportunity to have an email reading with me so that's a new service and if you're interested in that go check out the website also in the show notes but until next time we are your meta sa kicks When I was in college, we had to look at our hair underneath a microscope to see if it was healthy or not. And my hair was super healthy. And every day I straighten that bitch. Now I don't do shit to my hair. And I feel like all I got is split ends no matter what I do. And I just cut it. Maybe you got to look at it under a microscope. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.